Shalom, and welcome to Via Hafta Yisrael, a Hebrew phrase which means you shall love Israel. We hope you'll stay with us for the next 30 minutes as our teacher, Dr. Baruch, shares his expository teaching from the Bible. Dr. Baruch is the senior lecturer at the Zera Avraham Institute based in Israel. Although all courses are taught in Hebrew at the Institute, Dr. Baruch is pleased to share this weekly address in English. To find out more about our work in Israel, please visit us on the web at loveisrael.org. That's one word, loveisrael.org. Now, here's Baruch with today's lesson. We are going to study two very significant events today in this time of study. And the two events are the rapture of the church and the second coming of Messiah. And the first thing that I want to reaffirm to you, we mentioned it last week, these two events are not the same. And it is tragic that so many people speak of them, confusing them, linking them together when the Bible makes a clear distinction between them. Likewise, I mentioned to you last week that we are going to talk about the two signs, one sign for the rapture, a different sign for the second coming. Now, before we open up the Word of God and look at the various scriptures that reveal God's mind in regard to these things, we need to remember something. Not only are they distinct events that happen at different times, but they are for two different people. And they're going to produce different outcomes. And thirdly, we know something else. Not only are they different times, different people, and different outcomes, but one is going to happen before the wrath of God. And the other is going to take place at the end of God's wrath, him pouring it out. And which is what? Well, we know that we, based upon what Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 9, a scripture that is foundational, whenever we speak about the last days, Paul says to believers, he says, God has not appointed you for wrath. This is why Messiah died upon that cross, so that we would not experience the wrath of God. Rather, he says, for believers, those who have received that gospel, those who are members of God's new covenant, those people are going to receive salvation. And when I say salvation in this context, as Paul does in 1 Thessalonians 5, 9, he's speaking about victory. And what is that victory? Entering into the very kingdom of heaven. Now, there are those who say, you know, the rapture isn't in the Bible. That's not exactly true. Now, even though when we pick up the scripture in English or in some other language, we don't see the term rapture. But in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, Paul speaks about an event. He tells us that we're not all going to sleep, but rather he says that with the shout, and that's probably referring to the, the blast of the shofar, 
That is that ram's horn that speaks about God's provision. He says that, that the Lord is going to descend. And with that shout, what's going to happen? It says that he's going to take us away, that he's going to gather us up, that he's going to snatch us away. And that word for being snatched away, removed, is the Greek word arpazo. Now, in Latin, the word is rapturo, and it's where we get the English word rapture. So the word arpazo, a Greek word, is the basis for the rapture. It speaks about an event, what God's going to do to remove the church prior to his wrath. While the second coming, the second coming, remember a different time and primarily for a different people, for the children of Israel, that God, when Messiah comes the second time, he is going to, deliver the Jewish people from their enemies. He's going to deliver Israel. He's going to destroy their enemies. And thirdly, he's going to establish the kingdom of God. Now, last week I was listening and there was a promo on one of the networks for a teaching. And the person was saying, you need to be ready for the second coming. Not true. If you are a believer, you most assuredly will be ready for the second coming. Why? Well, let me give you another scripture. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 13. I want to say it again. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 13. Why? There it's speaking about the coming. But here it's obviously... The second coming, why? Well, you read 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 13, and it tells us, at the second coming, the saints, that's you and me, the church, the body of Christ, we're going to be coming with Messiah. Why? We have a wonderful promise. Remember what Messiah says in the Gospel of John? He says, I, I'm going away to prepare a place for you that where I am you shall be forever so we're always always going to be with Messiah once we die and go to heaven or if we are still alive at the time of the rapture at that moment he's going to take us into the kingdom of God and where he is we will be for how long forever and therefore, when he comes out of the heaven at the second coming to destroy the enemies of Israel, to deliver the Jewish people, that one-third, that remnant that's going to come out of Jacob's trouble, at that time, we will be with him. And what are we going to be doing during that kingdom that he sits up for a thousand years, the millennial kingdom? The Bible says two places. We are going to rule and reign with him. So being prepared is a necessity for the rapture by receiving that gospel message, by walking in the truth of scripture, being led by the Holy Spirit. 
looking for his glorious, his holy return to gather us up. All of that we want to be ready for. But the second coming, we're going to be with him. We will have been with him in heaven. So it's not a matter of getting ready for the second coming. It's getting ready for the rapture. Well, I promise you something, and that is that I want to share with you the two signs from the scripture. One speaks of the rapture. The other speaks of the second coming. There is similarity between them, but there is one very important difference. Now, for the most part, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 24, and in this study, just looking at three verses. Verses 29, 30, and 31. But before we open up to Matthew, I want us to spend a little bit of time looking at two pieces of Scripture that speaks about the sign of the rapture. And the first place I want you to turn to is the book of Yoel, in English, Joel. Joel chapter 2. Now, even though the words are the same, if it's a, a Jewish Bible or a English Bible or any other language, the words are the same. But in Hebrew, the Hebrew text numbers it differently. So in the English, if you're following along in a traditional Bible, it will be chapter 2, and we will be looking at verses 30, 31, and 32. But if you're following along in a Hebrew Bible, or one that follows the Jewish tradition of how to order the scripture, the chapters and the verses, it will be chapter 3, verses 3, 4, and 5. Again, same words, just the chapters and verses are a little bit different. And this happens several times throughout the Bible. So I'm going to begin. We'll do it in the English accounting, chapter 2, beginning with verse 30. He says, and I will give signs. And this is word moftim for wonders. Very strong signs, miraculous happenings. Those that are not normal. Those that can only be explained by God, his actions. So he says, and God is speaking. I will give signs in the heaven and on the earth. And he mentions three here. He says, blood, fire, and pillars of smoke. Now, that may not be a very well-known verse to you. But if you come from a Jewish background, we read that every year at Passover. Passover, biblically, there is a mandate to tell the story of the Exodus. And traditionally, families use what's called a Haggadah, which is simply word for telling, telling the Exodus. And, and as we begin to speak about the Exodus, the Passover story, and many times I've said to you that Passover is the festival of redemption. And in the Haggadah, in this story of the Exodus, retelling it, it begins with this verse. Why? Because this verse speaks about not the redemption that took place during the Exodus, that first redemption coming out of Egypt, 
but rather it speaks of the final redemption and what's going to happen. And notice what it says. Let's look at it again. I will give signs in the heavens and in the earth, blood, fire, and pillars of smoke. And then he says, the sun will turn to darkness, but the moon to blood. When? Before the coming of the day of the Lord, that great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come about, verse 32, and it shall come about that all who call upon the name of the Lord will be, it's a word for delivered, oftentimes saved, but it's a word for one who escapes. And what is one escaping? The context tells us. Escaping that awesome day. And that word awesome, nora in Hebrew can be terrible. Awesome in that which is terrible. And it's speaking about the day of God's wrath, his judgment. And the promise is this, prior to that, prior to what? God pouring out his wrath. Prior to that, the sun will be dark. There'll be other cosmic changes, signs in heaven and on the earth. But primarily, the sun will turn to darkness. And here's the key. And the moon will turn to blood. Now, I want us to look at another scripture. Turn, if you would, to the book of Revelation in chapter 6. The book of Revelation in chapter 6. I want you to see that here we see something very similar. Revelation chapter 6, and we're going to begin in verse 12. This is that sixth seal. And notice what he says. John has received this vision. He's sharing it, and he says, And I, I saw when the sixth seal he opened up, and behold, there came about a great earthquake. And the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, just like we saw. And the moon became as blood. Now, when did this happen? Well, Yoel, Joel told us it happened before the coming of the great and terrible day of the Lord. This day that speaks of God's wrath, and it's not one day, it's a period of time. I want you to drop down to this same sixth chapter, but look, if you would, to, to verse 16. Here, there's individuals, both small and great, mighty and powerful, and those who are, are simple people, and they are full of fear. Why? Because of something. They are saying to the mountains and to the rocks, fall upon us and hide us from the face of the one who sits upon the throne and from, and here it is, and from the wrath of the Lamb. Because the day, this great day of his wrath has come, who is able to stand? So we see in Yoel, Joel chapter 2, verses 30, 31, and 32, a very similar description to what we see in the book of Revelation. And Revelation chapter 6, verse 12, verse 13, and then verses 16 and 17. What is this doing? It's announcing the wrath of the Lamb. Why the Lamb? 
because we need to remember something. God says all matters of judgment he has given to his son. So it's Messiah, Jesus Christ, who is going to be the one who is responsible for pouring out the wrath of God. But before he does that, there's an opportunity. There's a sign, and that sign is the sun will turn dark. It will become black as the sackcloth of hair. And the moon will become red like blood. When? Before the coming of the day of the Lord. Now, what does that tell us? This is going to happen. That sign, the sun being dark and the moon becoming red like blood. When? Before the wrath of God. Immediately before. And remember what Joel tells us. Everyone at that time, this is the last opportunity to call upon the Lord by name, Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus Christ. Receive him so that you can be removed, can take part in that blessed hope and the rapture so that you won't experience God's wrath. Now, let me just say one other point. And I, I apologize if this is offensive. It's never my desire to be offensive, but we need to be mature. And a few years ago, there was some ridiculous things being said about the four blood moons. There is not four blood moons. Now, the moon becomes blood one time and one time only. All of that was false teaching. All of that was a gimmick. All of that wanted to sensationalize things primarily to get into people's pocket. I do not apologize ever for sharing the truth. I do not desire to offend, but the truth cuts sometimes. So be it. There is one blood moon, only one, not four. And that blood moon does one thing. It announces the imminency of God's wrath being poured out and the necessity to call upon the name of the Lord if you want to take part in the rapture. Now let's go to our primary text, Matthew chapter 24 and verse 29. Just three verses very quickly, but notice what it says here, verse 29. But immediately after the tribulation of those days, what tribulation are we speaking about? We're speaking about what is said in Jeremiah chapter 30, verse 7? Jacob's trouble. The tribulation that we spoke about beginning in verse 16 in this passage where he says, let those in Judea flee to the mountains. Verse 21 of Matthew where it says there will be great tribulation. Not the great tribulation, but great tribulation. And who's going to be suffering? The Jewish people. Why? Because God wants their attention. God wants them to turn to him. God wants them to be seeking Messiah according to the truth. So we read verse 29. But immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun, very similar, the sun will become dark and the moon will not give its light it's brightness. It's the word phagos in, in Greek. It speaks about its reflection, its light. doesn't say it's going to be red like blood. Why? 
a different event. This is at the end of Daniel's 70th week. It's at the end of what's known as, and this is the final three and a half years of Daniel's 70th week, those last seven years, the second half, when Jacob's trouble will be taking place. And why? Just what we learned. Verse 15 speaks about the abomination of desolation. When the Antichrist will say to Israel and all the world, follow me, I'm your God, I'm your Savior, worship me. Israel's going to say no to that. And because Israel rejects the Antichrist, they will go through that time of Jacob's trouble. When two-thirds will be put to death, but one-third will still be alive. When? Well, for the time that we're talking about now. And what's going to happen? Well, look at this. It says, middle of verse 29, After those days of tribulation, the sun will become dark and the moon will not give its light. And the stars will fall from the heaven, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Now, this is very similar to what we read about in the prophecy of Haggai. It talks about the heavens and earth being shaken. When heavens and earth are put together in a verse, we should think about creation. This is getting ready for a new creation. And I'm speaking about the establishment of the kingdom of God, a new reality. Look now to verse 30. And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in the heavens. And this is speaking about his second coming. What's the sign of his second coming? Well, the sign is similar to the rapture. What's the difference? In both accounts, both events, the sun will be dark. But the moon for the rapture will be red like blood. But at the time of the second coming, the moon will be dark as well. Why? Well, I shared with you that this event, the second coming, is going to be most dramatic. Now, notice what it says. Not only is the sun going to be black and the moon won't show any light, but we saw something else. Go back to verse 29. And the stars of the heavens are going to fall. And the powers of the heavens are going to be shaken. What is it going to be? Absolutely dark. Why? I shared with you. The second coming is a most dramatic event. Most of the time, people think the rapture is going to be. No, the rapture is going to be a very personal event for the church. The church is simply going to disappear but they are going to have gone through so much persecution, imprisonment, and death, the rest of the world won't even know about the rapture, or very few will pay attention to it. But the second coming is going to be erua bolet, meaning a, a very prominent event, because there's going to be total darkness. And then what does the scripture say? Look carefully. Verse 30. And then will appear the sign of the Son of Man in the heaven. And then, it says, all the tribes of the earth will mourn. And they will look upon the Son of Man coming upon the clouds of the heaven with power and much glory. So what do we see here? We see that there's going to be darkness remember what we said 
When we go back up to look at verse 27, it says, as lightning appears in the east and, and goes forth into the west, so will be this dramatic, this most visible event, the second coming. In the time of darkness, why? Who is Messiah? Who is the Savior? He is the light of the world. And just like we say here, what's going to happen? In darkness, the light of the world is going to appear, Christ Jesus. With the shout of that, that ram's horn, the shofar, which speaks about God's provision. And unfortunately, we're going to see that, that most of the world won't receive him, won't respond. They are going to be in eternal rebelliousness. But Israel, Israel is going to look upon the one. This is what Zechariah says in Zechariah chapter 12 and verse 10. They are going to look upon the one whom they have pierced, and they're going to mourn. And this word for mourning is a worshipful mourning. And they are going to do something else. They are not only going to mourn, but it also says that they are going to look upon the Son of Man coming in the clouds of, of heaven, just like Daniel says. And what is Messiah going to do? Let's move to our last verse, verse 31. Verse 31 speaks about, let's just read it. And he will send forth his angels, Messiah's angels, with the, the great sound of this shofar, the trumpet, and they will gather his elect, that is Jewish people. That's when Messiah says elect, he means the house of Israel. From the four winds, from the corners, from one end to another. Now, what's happening here? Don't miss the simplicity of this. Messiah is coming back, and he's not going to let one Jew be lost that's still alive. What is he going to do? There's no debate about this. He's going to gather them up from what? The four corners. The four winds is literally what it says. And why is that important? Well, this has already began. We know that Jewish people, I'm one of them, my family, many others, have come back to the land of Israel. Why? God's at work. And the question that you may have to answer is this. Are you supportive of that? Are you supportive of the nation of Israel, its reestablishment and the people coming back to the land? Or are you not? The question is, are you going to agree with the mind of Christ? Are you going to agree what he's up to? Or are you going to side with the world? We need to realize that God's word is very much consistent. He says in the Old Testament through the prophets in the last days, He'll return the people to the land. That, my friend, is what he is doing. And therefore, those who are not back, Messiah, will command his angels to go and finish the job. One of the things that the church should be doing is assisting even today in bringing the Jewish people back to the land. Well, we have a blessed hope. We will take part in Messiah's second coming. We're going to come with him for the establishment of that millennial kingdom. Great days are in the future. It's a difficult journey to the end, but we'll make it.
Well, we hope you will benefit from today's message and share it with others. Please plan to join us each week at this time and on this channel for our broadcast of loveisrael.org. Again, to find out more about us, please visit our website, loveisrael.org. There you will find articles and numerous other lectures by Baruch. These teachings are in video form. You may download them or watch them in streaming video. Until next week, may the Lord bless you in our Messiah Yeshua, that is, Jesus, as you walk with Him. Shalom from Israel.